Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. But like as adults, we get a chance to really think about the story of Christmas in a fresh way. Uh, for you, maybe that's new. For some of you, maybe you're like, I've known this story and I've, I've heard it so many years. I've been a Christian for a long time. And actually, it's easy if that's you to miss how special this season is. In order to help us with this, one of the things we try to do almost every year is to slow down kind of the pressure of culture and to begin the Christmas season by talking about Advent. Some of you maybe know this. But Advent is this time of year where we actually slow down to realize that babies are not just born at Christmas. Like everything, this isn't just get to the manger right away, but there's like a preparation time. And the word Advent means arrival or coming. And if you know a little bit of the Christmas story, you know that even before Jesus comes, God is inviting people like you and me, people who are busy, people who are overwhelmed, people who have a lot of questions, people who have doubts, to prepare themselves for Jesus to prepare their hearts, to prepare their minds. And I think for some of us, we can easily buy into the way our culture talks about Christmas all the time. I know I do. There's moments where I'm like, I'll watch a show and I'm like, you know, it's the feeling of Christmas. Or any of you ever heard about like the spirit of Christmas? You ever hear that term? Well, there's no such thing as the spirit of Christmas. Okay, just so you know. It's kind of a made up idea to make Christmas a feeling. <laughs> to make Christmas about something that we watch or a connection or a movie. But the Bible actually reminds us that Christmas is more chaotic than we would have ever imagined. Now, I wish Christmas is more like Silent Night, and I want Christmas to be like a fireplace and everybody's quiet and I'm centered, it's like a meditation, whatever you think. But the real thing about Christmas is that we're prepared by God's Spirit to move towards a period of time that when Jesus comes, Everything in the ancient world is complete chaos. And for many of us, I think we can miss the fact that at Christmas, God enters the chaos of our world. He doesn't just enter like the room in our house where we might have a fireplace or where we have a tree. He enters our lives in moments where we feel that everything is falling apart. He enters our lives in moments where we have all kinds of questions and doubts. And so just as you think about Christmas or as you think about your own life, I want to ask you like a very simple question and I want you to just think about the answer, okay? You'll see it on the screen. How would you finish this sentence, okay? I can't wait until blank. How would you maybe finish the sentence? I can't wait until Dom stops preaching. I can't. Any of you? <laughs> It's so nice. So nice. I can't wait until my wife does what I asked her to do. Until my kids start listening to me. I can't wait until my kids who are out of town come and visit. I can't wait until my marriage is repaired. I can't wait until our finances get on track. I can't wait until, I can't wait until. 
We've heard this a lot in our home over the past few weeks. Like for our house, some of it is like we can't wait until we get to see some of our cousins. Part of our family is in Ontario and what good can come from Ontario, but we have to go there during the holidays. So it's a brutal. So, hey, I got booed in the last service. And this is 11 o'clock, watch out. No, but when we think about this question, however you answered it, you'll get a glimpse of the things you long for and the things you've been praying about. Oftentimes, how we answer this question tells us the kinds of things that have our hearts. And during this season, we get a chance to move towards the manger. We move closer to Jesus' coming by wrestling with how people in the Bible answer this question. This morning, as we begin this series, I want us to think about how people in the Bible are going to think about the answer to this question. And Advent, like I said, is kind of this time period where we can slow things down and begin to ask God to help us in this waiting period to ask him to enter our brokenness, to enter our pain, to enter our world in a way that he would heal things that we know we've been waiting for him to do. We've been waiting for him to answer our prayers. We've been waiting through so many questions that we have. And maybe for you, you don't have questions. You just have doubts. Do you know anybody who at the Christmas season doesn't believe in Christmas at all? Maybe you have family members you're going to see over the holidays. And you would say Merry Christmas. And they're like, we don't believe in Merry Christmas. We don't believe that in our house. I know people like that. I know people who don't believe that God is coming to us at Christmas anymore. They don't believe Christmas anymore. I mean, they like the holiday and a day off, maybe a day to relax, but forget about the whole religion Christmas thing. If you don't have anyone in your family who doesn't believe in Christmas, you need to get out more. Because we live in a province, and some of you watching online from different parts of the world, wherever you're watching from, in Quebec, we kind of feel the tension of what it means to be people who love God or are trying to learn about God and to know there's so many people in our lives, for some of you, maybe it's even your children, who don't believe this anymore. They don't believe that God is coming to us. Do you see how messy the world is? Do you see how broken things are around us? What do you mean God is coming to us? This is ridiculous, this story. I know people who believe that. You know, if they believe that, they might like one of the prophets of the Old Testament. We have all these writings in the Bible about people who have that tension in their heart, about praying for God until God would heal their land, until God would heal their home, until God would redeem them. They have all of these prayers, and one of the writers, his name is Habakkuk, and this is what he says. I love this prayer. It's been my prayer at times. This is what he says. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you did not listen or cry out to you, violence, but you did not save. Why don't you... Why don't you make me look, whoa, I lost that. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? I mean, I've prayed this before. If you've read the news, if you looked at anything on TV, if you've gone through your phone, you've wondered some of these very questions, your very, your hearts, your prayer, like, God, why? Why are things not resolved in our world? Why is there so much violence? And I think about that, and actually, you know what you realize when you read the Bible? People in the Bible had that same prayer. They wondered about this. You might know this, but some of the writers in the Bible write these prayers and they're so honest with God and they make up a section of the Bible, which we often call the prophets. And the prophets in the Bible are usually two categories. One is the section of the minor prophets and one is the section of the major prophets. If you've never heard of the prophets before, you can read them. But one of the things I want to tell you about the prophets, if you just want to understand them a little bit better, the prophets are a section of the Bible that reminds the people that God always keeps his promises. You've never thought about the prophets in that way, it's an easy way to remember them. God keeps his promises when he says good things are coming, but he also keeps his promises when he says, I've warned you about this and now bad things are coming. 
God always keeps his promises. Now, I want to be honest. If I'm like really honest in moments in my life, I love when God keeps his promises for the good things that are coming. Like, I love that. And I have, my kids always remind me of this in our home. When I say, if you do this, we're going to go watch a movie. If you do this, we might go to McDonald's. All the good things that they're away, they, they remember when I forget those things. But they hate when I remember what I said when bad things might happen. If you don't do this, this is also going to happen. If this doesn't happen, this is the internet might not work in our house. Try that. We love a God who keeps his promises when we're waiting for his blessings. We love a God who keeps his promises when we prayed and, and he answers our, our prayers and things are going great at work or they're going great at, at home. We love that. But the minor prophets are always a reminder that God keeps his promises on both sides. And the people of God, before Christmas can come, have to deal with the pain of this. And I know it's hard for us to think about this, but I, I want you to think back of how you answered, I can't wait until, just in your own mind. How many of you said, I can't wait until God forgives us when I asked you that question? I know I wouldn't naturally think about that. That wouldn't be the first thing on my mind, but everybody in the Bible, as they're preparing for Christmas and for the arrival of Jesus, are answering that question in that way. They're looking and they're waiting and they're praying and they're asking one another, they're calling out to God and they're saying, I can't wait until God forgives us until God steps into the mess that we've made and begins to restore, redeem, remind us that he's with us even though we've made a mess. This is so important. And you know what? If we follow the rhythm of our culture and how they teach us about Christmas, we can bypass that altogether. There's been years in my life I never thought forgiveness had anything to do with Christmas. I had never thought about the prophets. And so one of the things we want to do with, with you is to just hold together the great story of Israel in the Old Testament and the fact that Jesus comes to fulfill and to answer the prayers and the questions that people have in the story of Israel in the Bible. Now I want to tell you something else about this prayer that people have. When they think about God forgiving them, they think about a commandment and kind of like a warning that God has given his people throughout the years in the Bible. And I want to read it for you. It's a bit long. It's a, it's a lengthy thing. I want to read it for you. And I want you to feel the weight of hearing these words. They're words in the book of Exodus that God gives to Moses. And Moses, if you don't know in the Bible, is very important. It's very special. And when God gives this prayer and this warning to Moses, he talks about how good he is, how much he loves his people, and the consequences if people believe that God won't keep his promises. And this is what we're told in Exodus. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Love that. Sign me up. Yet, circle that. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You, the weight of this. You're like, wait a second. Like, why would God do this? Why would God punish the kids and the grandchildren, those who come? But remember, God always keeps his promises. He says, there's things about me that I've said to you that you have to live in a certain way. And if you don't follow that, you're going to feel the consequences of things breaking down, not making sense. Now, the minor prophets write at this, this juncture in the history of the Bible, and if you want a little bit of history, this will help you. And this, we often call this the intertestamental period. I just have a slide for you so you can see how this kind of warning is connected to the story of, of Christmas. This intertestamental period 
is a period where at the end of the Old Testament, we have the prophets who write, they have warnings, they have promises. And then there's this period where it seems like God is silent, where God is not speaking. And on average, I mean, this is an average, there's about 400 years of waiting for God to speak to his people. Now, we have some writings historically that fall into this category. You might actually have a Bible that has some of these letters. They're called the apocryphal letters. You might have read them. You can get them online. Christians read those, but they don't, you know, some Christians don't really see them as important for doctrinal purposes, but they're historical documents that you can read. They're free on the internet. They're written in this time period between the end of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, where the people are waiting. I can't wait until God forgives us. I can't wait until God decides that he's going to pass on blessings on our kids, even though we as their parents did not do the right things. Just go back to the Exodus passage and think about the weight of this passage. Anybody who's ever done counseling knows the weight of this passage. Anybody who's ever had to ask someone to help them process the pain that they live through in their home knows that it's so true sometimes. That the sins of our parents and our grandparents and those who came before us, they follow us along until God heals us. Until you don't feel set free of those things and feel restored that you can move on. Some of you are so close to a new chapter that God has in store for you. And that maybe requires for you to just pay attention to forgiveness and to how God kind of at Advent bursts into our world and begins to do things that shows us God is forgiving us. This is amazing. God is going to do things that we never imagined. And when you read this, I just want to warn you, for those of you who don't have kids, this passage still applies to you. I often read the Bible and I'm like, oh, sweet, that has nothing to do with it. I don't have kids, I don't care, nobody, but I can bypass this. No, no, it's a passage about being honest on whether we are living lives that align with God's will, align with what God is teaching us, or if we think we can just live our own ways. I'm tempted every day to do that. I'm tempted to think, oh, that's not that important. God didn't really mean that. Or we live in our culture where things are only bad when you get caught. Right? That's a very common thing. Oh, nobody knew. It's not, there's somebody doing worse than me. Whatever we tell ourselves. At Advent, God says that's not how this works. You know why? Because I'm a God who always keeps my promises. I always keep my promise. And this is one of the reasons that Christians will come back over the years. And before they get to Christmas, they're going to slow down and ask God to prepare us during Advent. To prepare you, to prepare me. I'm not sure how God is preparing you. I know the ways that God has been preparing my heart. I know how God has been preparing me to pay attention to ways that I maybe have to forgive others or begin to surrender things that I've controlled or try to hold on to. And God's like, you need to let that go. I want to heal you of that. Why are you holding on to that? I don't know what that looks like for you, what that season might be. But I want to tell you that at the beginning of the New Testament, you remember the image, the Old Testament, the New Testament? Some of the first people we meet start to taste of how beautiful it is when God begins to break his forgiveness into their world. If you want to write something down, you can write this, this, just a simple phrase for Advent to think about this. Advent is the season of surprising ways God's forgiveness is breaking through. That's what Advent is. It's the moment where we slow down and say, where is God's forgiveness starting to just kind of grow around me? You know why this is so important? Because no matter how many songs you sing, no matter how many eggnogs you drink, no matter how many Christmas parties you go to, you know that unforgiveness will always destroy your family. You know that unforgiveness will always be there at the root of why there's bitterness and gossip and anger in your home and in my home. So Advent is this gift to say, well, wait a second. When Jesus comes, he's going to show you that God is forgiving his people. And that means he gives you the strength that you need to begin to live in this place of forgiving others in your life. 
It's this beautiful gift that we get. Whenever I think of forgiveness, I realize that it's a big category. Like we can do a whole series on forgiveness. Because I always get the question about forgiveness, yeah, but they hurt me and, I, and I'm justified. I know. And let me just say this right away. It is true. Let's be honest. That some of the pain that we might carry, some of the unforgiveness we feel that you feel, if you think about it, you feel justified. They cheated on me. He lied to me. They tried to destroy our family. I get that. Can I just encourage you this morning to just surrender that to God? Because God knows. God knows that. But oftentimes in our culture, when we think about forgiveness, we think about forgiveness even in light of ourselves. Like I read an article a little while ago. You just see the title here. You can read it. It's online. You go to the article. It says, are you ready to forgive? Not a Christian article, by the way. Are you ready to forgive? A new study shows letting go is good for your health. We have a whole industry in our culture that's wired about forgiving others for your sake. That even forgiveness is about you. You know what the problem with this is, although it is helpful, and I think some of this is true and good, is that forgiveness with God doesn't work this way. God doesn't forgive us for his sake. God is not forgiving us because it helps him be God better. God is entering our world, and in him forgiving us, you know what's going to happen? He's going to have to experience incredible pain for our forgiveness. It's like me going to see somebody who's hurt me for many, many years and saying, I'm going to go see them and ask for forgiveness, and they're going to punch me in the face. If I said that to you, you'd be like, no, don't go, don't go. It's not worth it. Go when they're ready. You know what Christmas we learn is that God comes into our world even when we're not ready. He breaks into the pain of our world and he says, you'll never be ready for the kind of love and grace and goodness I have in store for you. But you can prepare. You can prepare. And he gives us the gift of some babies that start to show up who are the gift of God responding to the prayers of his people already from the times of the prophets. Some of you know this, that one of the signs of God responding to his people is that people who can't have children start to be able to have children. It's a painful thing to think about. If you've ever been with anyone who wants to have a child and they can't, it's painful in our culture, but in the Bible context, I mean, it would have been shameful and almost seen even as a, as a curse. And so this morning, just for a few minutes, before you rush off and get to baby Jesus, I want to tell you about the story of baby John. He's so important. He actually comes to us before Jesus is born as someone who is a gift to us because he will help us prepare for what forgiveness looks like. He will help us prepare for how God is surprisingly breaking in to everything that's going on. Not so that we feel the spirit of Christmas, not that things all magically come together, but that we begin to welcome God into our hearts and in our homes so that we can forgive others who have hurt us. Because those who experience God's forgiveness learn how to extend God's forgiveness. This is the gift of Advent. If you have a Bible, you might look at this or you might read it later, but you'll see it on the screen. At the beginning of Luke's gospel, we get Luke starting to introduce us to this baby, and this is what we're told. In the time of King of Herod, King of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. This is kind of the beginning of how Luke begins the story of Christmas. If you are new to Christianity and you picked up a Bible and you got this, you'd be like, I have the wrong Bible. I thought Jesus was about Christmas, right? No, actually, you have to deal with John first. You know why I love this? It's because you have to wait nine months to get to Christmas. You're going to have to slow down and wait. And you kind of want to feel some of the waiting that we know the prophets have been talking about. 400 years of waiting, waiting for a child. And now Luke begins and he says, hey, you've been waiting a long time. And now God is breaking in to surprise you. 
You know, some of the studies that we have about waiting, just for us in general, is that if somebody waits four seconds to answer one of your questions, you'll think they're not listening to them. You want to try it? Four seconds. Let's wait. Starts to get awkward after a while. You're like, were you listening? Were you there? What? For 400 years, the people have been waiting. They've been waiting, and God has been preparing for the right time, the right moment, the right season. And then he says, you know what? Because forgiveness will be hard for you, I'm going to send someone to help you prepare. I'm going to send someone. It's going to be great. And this person who comes, comes to a couple named Elizabeth and Zachariah. Elizabeth and Zachariah are so important in the story of Christmas. And we, get, we lose them sometimes. They're not really at any... I've never been to a manger scene where I see Elizabeth and Zachariah there. You know, you see the Magi. If you watch the Mr. Bean version, you see a dragon, you see a dinosaur. If you watch, it's insane. Right? We have all this... But Elizabeth and Zachariah, like, we're here. We matter. They do matter. They matter because their son John, he has such a special role to play. It's really important. And Zachariah actually is a priest. And when, when we meet him at the beginning of the story, he's actually doing his job. We're about, to, we're, about, we're about to be told that an angel is going to appear to Zechariah when he's doing this important role that he has, which is part of his worship responsibility. And we're told that if you read the story that he's entering a part of the temple where he's going to burn incense and he's, he's performing his duties and he's by himself. And now he's going to be given this incredible reminder that God has been listening to his prayers. This is what we're told, Luke tells us. An angel appeared to him and said to him, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord, which is before Jesus. He will go ahead of him to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to do what? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's what John's gonna do. John's going to come. And the angel says this is going to be great. But it begins by reminding Zechariah and Elizabeth that their prayer has been heard. Have you ever had an experience where you sense that God has heard your prayer? Sometimes I've had that in my life. And sometimes some of the prayers that I've had and God doesn't answer them the way I thought. And maybe that's been your experience. And if that has been yours, maybe you struggle with that. You struggle and you're like, that's why I don't pray. Like I don't pray because I used to pray a long time ago and it doesn't really work now. But Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying and the angel says to them, God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer and you're about to have a son. And every time I read this story, I think like, I have so many questions. Like, why did it take this long? And what are you talking about? We're going to have a son right now. And I don't know if you feel this, but Zachariah and Elizabeth are not like young. The Bible tells us that they're very, very old. That they have to like think about what does it mean that like they're going to have a child now? Like, God, is that like good timing? Think about how painful it would be for Zachariah to be like, we're going to have a child, like this can't be, like I'm going crazy, maybe I'm just hot, somebody give me water. Like, what do you mean? All of these questions, but Zachariah, if this is true, he's got to finish his job and slowly make his way home and explain to Elizabeth that they're going to have a baby. Like their bodies and their frailness, like sometimes they don't even make it to bed together, they're so old. They're tired, they're overwhelmed, they're wondering, and now they're going to have a baby. Can you imagine how hard it would be for Zachariah to come to Elizabeth and say, hey, babe, today at work it was different. What do you mean? 
well, you know what? Like, I think God spoke to me. And, and, you know, Elizabeth, I could just see Elizabeth like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, like, I have to kind of explain something to you. Like, I had this moment where an angel came to see me. And the angel said that our praying has not gone unheard. That God is beginning to do something that we never thought before. And Zechariah, you know, it'd be easy if he could just kind of start to explain to her. And at one point, he's going to say, you know what? Like, and Elizabeth's like, you know, you don't touch me. And he's like, like, every guy would say, I know, babe. It's really, really weird. But God said this to me. We have to do this tonight. We're going to have a date night tonight. And we're going to dance the Macarena. Whatever you, whatever you think of. Like, love is about to, we have to have a baby. Like, it's not a magical baby that falls out of the sky. They have to have a real baby. You know how? Like, humanoids have babies. And Elizabeth's like, are you kidding me? Think about all the things, comments people would have made. They're so old. I can't believe they're having kids. That's so weird. All the things that they're feeling. Elizabeth would have lived for years with the shame of people talking about her when she couldn't have a child. Now they're going to talk about her that she's having a child. We can't just rush off to Christmas. I'm sorry. We're going to have to slow down and wrestle with the gift of God telling people who you could easily ignore, you have a part to play in the story. You have a special part to play in the story. You need to do what you need to do, and God's about to do what he's going to do. Maybe you've forgotten that you have a part to play in the story as well. Maybe you, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, maybe have your own excuses. I would have a lot of excuses. But one of the things you can feel with Zechariah is all the things that the angel said that John is going to do. All the things that their son is being prepared to do. I've never met a parent in my life that does not have great plans in store for their kids. Never. I've never met a parent in my life where I've said, hey, your kids are growing up. What are they studying? What do they want to be? And the parents, they light up. Oh, let me tell you, they're so smart. They're amazing. And they go on and on and on. They have all these things to say. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for God to say to Zachariah, you're having a son, but I've already decided what he's going to be. I've already decided what he's going to do. If you want to offend a parent, just tell them what you think their kids should do. I do it all the time sometimes, by the way. It's one of the special gifts of being a pastor. Where people say, oh, my kids are going to do this, or it's this time of year, they're studying. And I'll say, have you ever thought that maybe your kids should be pastors? They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, what's wrong with pastors? God still calls people to be pastors, by the way. John is going to come with the prophetic voice of the prophets of Israel. And he's going to come to prepare the people to see and to understand that God is about to forgive his people. That God is entering their broken, messy world and beginning to heal and restore the mess that the parents and the grandparents and those before them that have come, all that they've done, a child is coming. But before you get to him, you got to believe John. I thought about this as I was preparing and I think about praying at times when I'm working on my sermon and thinking about many of you, the relationships, the times I've, I've had with you, I've made a list of some of the people that I think John is going to meet as he begins to do what God's called him to do. I made a list just of some of the, the general things that are in this passage. Like, what does it mean to help people turn back to God? What does it mean to get them to, to see that how they're living is not honoring God? What does it mean to do that? Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever tried to tell someone that? This doesn't always go well. And as I read through this list of the kinds of people that I think John will meet, you know what I want you to do? I want you to pay attention to which one of these groups represents maybe where you're at. Okay, just be honest. Just you and God. Here's a list of some of the people, and you'll see them on the screen. John will meet some of these people. 
John only those who have been hurt and struggle to find healing. Maybe that's you. John, as he grows up and begins to do what the angel just said, will meet those who pretend to care about God and his ways. You know anybody who does that? They pretend. They act spiritual. They, they know the Bible story. They even raise their hands when they're singing. But they're not serious about the ways of God. Those living with the pain of a broken and divided family. Maybe you know that. Those paying for the selfish actions of parents and grandparents. Those who are disobedient and who lack wisdom. Do any of these kind of fit where your life is at? Or maybe none of these fit. Maybe you'd be like, I have my own dom. I think of the people in my life and they're those who are just psycho. My family's psycho. You're like, wow. It's heavy. You think about all the people that John is going to have to encourage to believe that God can still heal and forgive and restore their broken lives. If you want to ruin somebody's home, is let unforgiveness go unattended. Because where unforgiveness goes unattended, bitterness grows, gossip grows, and all kinds of envy can grow. But Advent is this wonderful invitation where God says, no, 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 I'm doing something that only I can do now. I'm about to enter your world and I'm asking you to just prepare yourself for how forgiveness is going to become available to all of you now. How Jesus is coming to begin to restore things and to bring pieces together and everybody in the story is like, okay, I have so many questions. Like, this is wild. Zechariah has some questions too. This is what Zechariah says. I would have this question. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I love this, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Gabriel's like, this is such good news. And, and if you're maybe like Zechariah, I know I've been, I'm like, I, I can miss that even if an angel visited me, I would have questions. Even if God did a miracle, I would kind of question that as well. Zechariah is kind of all of us, that he can miss. And Gabriel's like, I'm like, I'm Gabriel. How can this be sure? You don't need anything else. And all of a sudden, if you've read the story, you know, Zechariah will be silenced. Such a profound moment that the people are dealing with years of silence and now Zechariah will be not able to speak until John is born. If he has no good news to share, he should share no news. That's what happens. And in our court, we're like, well, that's weird. It's mean. And you need to read the story and live the story and feel the story. The angel has good news. The good news begins even before Jesus gets here. Some of you have so many things going. You have so many plans. You have so many things on your schedule. But God has good things for you in story even before you get to Christmas. Can I encourage you this year to maybe open up your heart and your mind to prepare yourself, to prepare your schedule? to prepare your home, to prepare your heart, to prepare your mind for what it means that God is offering you and I forgiveness. Forgiveness not only for the things that we have done, but the freedom that can come when we realize even the things that other people have done, he can begin to heal in our lives so we don't have to carry those things. So many of us know how easy it is to blame someone else, it's their fault, they did this to me. How about this Christmas you welcome God's forgiveness? Between the two services, I was just talking to someone who hasn't spoken to their person in their family for so many years. And I said, just extend, just extend, extend God's forgiveness. Let them say no, let them say no, but just extend maybe a visit, maybe a gift, maybe a card. I, I don't know what that is, 
But God might show you something that you can do, not only to welcome God's forgiveness, but to extend God's forgiveness. One of the things we have to deal with is whenever we think about forgiveness is that we have to be ready to confess. We have to be ready to confess certain things. There's a reason we have communion this morning and there's a reason we wanted Advent to be connected to the table where God says, I'm going to forgive you, not just because Jesus came as a baby, but because he's going to live a life and he's going to go to a cross and be resurrected. And we, have to feel, we get the joy of that. But we know something that Zachariah and Elizabeth do not know yet. And you know what that is? That many people who hear John speak will not have been prepared. They will not prepare. They will ignore John. They will think John is crazy. And then one day they will kill John. Their hearts were never intended on preparing. Even though God said, I'm coming with this great news, but you need to be open and prepare for the forgiveness that is coming. Prepare yourself. Those who don't prepare for this season will never understand why we sing, come let us adore him. Never will. You can sing the song, you can hear the song, you can play it in your car. But there's a reason we say that Jesus is the one that we adore as Lord. There's a reason we say that. Because it's only in his coming that we can experience the forgiveness and the space where we can confess the kinds of things that, that are in our lives that we need to bring to God and surrender. I'm going to have the band come back up and, and they're just going to play softly. And I'm just going to ask you to think about some of the things in your life that maybe God is asking you to surrender this morning. Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it's something that someone said to you that you're still holding on to. Maybe it's something that it's very, very easy. You're like, this thing happened and we're never seeing those people for Christmas forever. Maybe that's you. That Advent is a time where God says, prepare yourself. This does not have to go on this way much longer. You can't control how people respond. You can't control if they understand, but you can say, God, I really want to be ready this Christmas to receive everything that you have for me. I think of a story that I heard years ago, and I, I read it recently, and it's a story of a few pastors. Pastors are together, they're hanging out, and they're talking about forgiveness, and they're talking about confession. And you know, people always think about pastors confessing, and they're on this little fishing trip, and one pastor says, you know what, I'm never alone with other pastors where I can just be honest about things that I'm carrying. So one of the pastors says, you know what, I just want to confess something to you guys that I've never told anyone. I have a gambling problem. And I've been using the money of our church to gamble some money and I've never told anyone and I just want to confess that. And then one of the pastors was like, wow, that's huge. Like, and he felt like, I mean, if one person confesses, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll say something myself. I want to share something too. He said, you know what? Every time I go away on a trip, what the ch church sends me off and I'm away, you know, I go away, but then I drink and I have one beer, then I have a bottle of wine, then I have more. You know, I think I'm struggling as an alcoholic. I think I drink too much. I, I just need to confess that. And the pastors are sharing this. And at one point, they're waiting for the last pastor to kind of, hey, anything you want to share? And he's like, no, no, not really. And finally, he says, you know what, let, let me just be honest. You struggle with gambling. You struggle with alcoholism. You know, like I struggle with gossip. And I can't wait till we get back home so we can talk to some people. <laughs> I think about that story a lot. Because you know what, it's so easy to confess things that you're never remorseful for. It's so easy to say, I have this problem, but that's just a joke. Everybody has that problem. Forgiveness is remembering that God always keeps his promises. And at Advent, confession is a time where we feel the remorseful pain of what it will cost God to deal with our brokenness. 
what it will cost for him to enter our broken world, not just on a nice silent night, but in a moment where babies are dying and chaos is happening and people are running away from their homes, that's what God is about to enter for his love for us. He's going to do that. Before I pray, I want to read you this beautiful passage from the prophets. And it talks about what God is inviting us to. It says this, the prophet Hosea says this, Come, let's return to the Lord, for he has torn us, meaning he's, he's caused us to understand the pain that we've caused, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us and he will raise us up that we may live before him. Everybody in the Christmas story is thinking and praying, I can't wait until God forgives us. Can't wait. That's what they're saying. So we get a chance to say that with them. That we don't have to wait. We can prepare now. So I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to give you just a few minutes as you hear this song to just think about how God is preparing you before we come to this table together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of John. The incredible pain and confusion and questions that Elizabeth and Zachariah are feeling and yet the joy that you are bursting into our brokenness that you are entering in such surprising ways the mess and the pain that we've created I pray for anyone here who knows that you're calling them to this new place of forgiveness to receive your forgiveness and to extend your forgiveness Would you help us to prepare appropriately before we come to this table? Would you help us to remember that it would cost you everything to begin to restore the years of pain that we've caused, not only in our lives, but even the story of your people? Before we come to this table, help us to remember of the warning of those who heard John and did not prepare. We pray this in your name. together again.
as we prepare now to come to the communion table, one of the things that we're reminded of at Advent is that God has prepared this table for us. That as we think about the, the connection at Christmas from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we're reminded that God all along has heard our prayers and he's been preparing this table that we could come and receive his forgiveness because Jesus came and entered our chaos and our confusion and our questions. He came so that we could come and embrace his forgiveness and live by it and even learn to extend it to others. But as Pastor Dom shared, one of the things that we want to take seriously when we come to the table is that we can miss John preparing us. We could miss how God is preparing us to come to the table. We could miss that God is in a new way wanting us to embrace his forgiveness. And so as we prepare to come, would you just take a moment when you come up and sit back down to, to really consider what Pastor Dom shared. Is there an area of your life where you maybe have struggled to receive God's forgiveness? Is there a way that you have struggled to embrace that and to extend that to others? And so to just give you some instructions, um, you're going to come up in a moment in two different lines to receive the bread from Pastor Dom and myself. There's a gluten-free option as well. There's wine and juice. Come and sit back down and just take that time to just really ask God, how are you preparing me to receive your forgiveness in this season? If you're new and this is all kind of new for you, we just want to say no pressure to come up. In fact, we just encourage you or invite you to stay seated. And we're just so thankful that you're here with us and learning with us. Um, but that's it. So we'll guide you in a moment. So why don't I just pray, invite you to pray with me, and then we'll come up to receive. God, thank you that you are a God who always keeps your promises and who hears our prayers and who wants to show us your forgiveness in new ways. And so help us to be those as we learn to worship you, that as part of our worship, we would not miss the ways that you're wanting to prepare us to embrace your forgiveness, to learn to live by that and extend it to others. And so just lead us now in this time as we come up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
what a gift for us that we can hold together the first coming of Jesus with the promise that he's coming again a second time. This is the meal that Christians for thousands of years have come back to as a reminder that there's some things you cannot forgive yourself for. We live in a culture that it's easy to say that. You just need to forgive yourself. You can't just forgive yourself for this. Only God can forgive us. So I'll read the passage on the screen and I'll encourage you to take the bread and the cup with me. And this is what we're told, that on the night when Jesus, he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces. And so what he said to his disciples, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What we remember is that he has come to forgive us. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take it together. Jesus is asking each of us to prepare. Prepare our home, prepare our hearts. Prepare in such a way where we can begin to sense how he shows us how his forgiveness is breaking through in our lives. Our world is dying for people who take this seriously. Our world is dying for people who are shaped by the forgiveness of God that we get to prepare for this Christmas. Let's stand as I pray before I let you go. Father, before we enter the busyness of our week, the many stories on the news, the many conflicts at work, the many arguments, we also ask you to help us see moments of joy and peace and hope that are bubbling up around us because you have answered the prayers of your people that you are beginning to break through in surprising ways. And so this morning together, with those of us in this room and those watching online, we want to say thank you for the gift of John. Thank you for the season of Advent that gives us time to prepare and to look for ways that you are coming to us this year. I pray for anyone who may be still doubting that and still struggling that they would know that maybe you are positioning them to be able to see you and the meaning of Christmas in a new way this year. Go with us now. And may we live lives that point other people to your forgiveness. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we love you all. God bless everyone. We hope you make time to be with us next week. Celebrate with our kids. Have a great week, everyone. God bless.